everyone, and welcome to Display Week 2020. My name is Brian Berkeley, and as a past president of SID on behalf of both SID and Nanasys, I'm your host for interactive discussions this week as we have conversations with key display industry leaders and influencers. Today's guest is Reza Chaji, who is founder and CEO of View Real, whose goal is to make nanotechnology scalable and, among other things, holds potential for commercialization of micro-LED technology. Dr. Chaji is also an adjunct professor at the University of Waterloo. Uh, he has past experience at Ignis Innovation, where he was president and CTO, and he is well-known around SID, where he's given many technical talks and where he's been an active participant for many years. Reza, we've known each other for a long time. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for the kind introduction, and it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And, and I guess my first question uh, has to do with the uh, ongoing pandemic. This has got to be the most unusual year ever for SID. And I wonder how you and your family are doing. Uh, it's one of those situations, I guess, is uh, hard to anticipate or predict or be ready for it. So uh, we kind of learn as we go forward, both at the company and family. So our main goal right now at family is the well-being of the family, both mentally and physically. So actually, I was joking with my wife a couple of days ago is that uh, there's going to be a huge demand for psychologists after this is over. So <laughs> if the kids are getting to schools, this is something to consider. So if they want to go and new uh, things, yeah, so it's, it's, it's tough, but... Uh, something that you I guess you need to manage day by day if you learn so we monitor where we are lagging and we try to kind of balance a little bit toward that to, to, to improve it but yeah it's, it's tough up in the ontario canada area where you are is school going to be resuming in fall uh it's tough to say actually we just got an email from schools that they are considering three scenarios and they're getting ready for all three so uh, the first one is uh, full fully open uh, with social distancing in place. The second one is actually they uh, partially online, partially open so that the kids get some interaction with their friends, but in a limited kind of, uh, and controlled fashion. And the third one is go full on uh, online, depending how fall is going to pan out. So schools are getting ready for all three of them. So we'll see. I guess we, we all have to be flexible. And, and then... I'm wondering how COVID-19 has affected ViewReal uh, and, and your work in particular. So at uh, Ontario, uh, they had a list of essential companies and we were under that list so we could stay open, but with limited functionality. So we have to make sure the social distancing is placed and, and follow the, all the rules and regulations. So we, have, we kept our clean room open with kind of partial open. So it slows us down for sure, but one of the advantage, if you call it advantage, it's brutally focused us to do what is really, really essential. So it did have some merit, some, some help to, to focus on the keys that we may have not done it otherwise. So, but in general, it did slow us down and, and uh, we are trying to now plan around it and, and recover from that. Do you have any perspective on uh, how COVID-19 is affecting the display market? Yeah, it's, I 
kind of stop predicting consumer because it's hard to say how they're going to behave. We expect something is going to happen. They do completely opposite. But if, if you look at kind of a general uh, things, because people stay more at home, I'm expecting TV market is actually going to get better. The larger your display market should get better. And the smaller display market should get, get uh, kind of get hit more. But that's, again, a prediction is hard to, hard to say. But at home, at least the way we see, we see TV, we use TV more than we used before. So I'm anticipating that's going to be a trend. Um, well, for sure. And um, it's changed a lot of the usage patterns. A lot of people are not meeting in person, but they're meeting over screens the way you and I are doing right now. Um, I guess um, it brings up uh, a focus area here, which is one of these hottest areas for uh, displays right now is uh, the micro LED uh, commercialization. And, and I wonder what you think are the biggest challenges for micro LED commercialization and uh, in particular the biggest challenges for micro LED manufacturing and getting uh, micro LED displays to the market. So there are two categories of problem. One is actually it's more coming from the competition. So uh, micro-LED facing strong competition from LCD and OLED. They are doing extremely well in terms of performance, pricing, and all those things. So it's, it's strong competition is one thing that micro-LED is facing. And the other part, as you mentioned, is more from uh, manufacturing and the technical challenges. So from the technical problems, we are looking at three kind of four real focuses on three main ones. One is the uh, throughputs and the yield and then the scalability. So by throughputs is, is how fast essentially you can print LEDs into, into a surface. Uh, right now, LCD and OLED, they are in minutes kind of time frame to make a large TV. So micro LED need to be in the same category, which is really challenging. Uh, the other one on the yield, when you print millions of LEDs into a surface, yield become a big challenge. So how are you going to address that without uh, increasing the cost significantly? And the third one is a scalability. So uh, producing micro-LED, if you look at the uh, existing capacity of EPE wafer in the world, if you use 30 or 50 micron LEDs, you will barely make 5 to 4 million display a year. So in order to be able to make 100 millions, you need to make sure that you can make the LEDs smaller than 10, so that the same amount of capacity, now you can make more pixels, more, more display. So uh, these are the three areas that we have been focused on at, at Burial, and we think they're going to, they essentially they're controlling the mass adoption of micro-LED. Is uh, ViewReal addressing all of those challenges? And, and if so, how is ViewReal addressing those challenges? Yeah. They are actually very interconnected, all three of them, because the, 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 at the moment you pick what type of uh, transfer technology you're going to use, it's going to kind of uh, deal with all three problems. Uh, so we have been working on a solution that, first of all, is more uh, printing approach rather than pick and place. We think pick and place is more like typewriting. You may be able to do 10-finger type, but it still is typewriting, so you won't be able to print millions of books. Uh, you, you need to go to a printing process. So 
at Vivorio, we developed a, a printing process that is very, is very similar to printing attributes you be using in papers kind of uh, uh, products. So what we did at Viorio, uh, we, we developed some sort of a cartridge-based uh, micro-LED uh, that we load into our printers, and, and then we print from the cartridge directly into the surface. We don't need to pick LEDs. The other advantage of this solution was that we could manage uh, very small LEDs, so we could print smaller than 10 micron LEDs. Uh, with pick and place, that's going to be very challenging. It's going to hurt the yield significantly. But here, because we don't pick LEDs, we can hold the LEDs in our cartridge and securely we can print those LEDs also into the surface. And, and moreover, uh, what we did, we could manage every single LED in, in, in the cartridge. We measure them. We actually identify the defects. We map the performance. So we can actually avoid defects going to the display, which increase the yield. So those three things kind of directly and indirectly addressing the, uh, the scalability, the yield, and the throughput. You know, it's, it's really exciting. And, and maybe offline, I'd love to even talk with you more about it because I've always felt that this idea of doing mass transfer pick and place, um, you know, as I just work through the numbers, the math, uh, you end up with these phenomenally long fabrication times. Uh, and it only gets harder as the resolution keeps going up. Um, but uh, that's very exciting to hear that you guys are working on that. And, you know, coming from, you know, a small company, Nanosys here is a small company, and uh, you guys are getting started. So let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, entrepreneurship. Um, what, what have been the hardest things about forming your company? Yeah, I found the hardest part is the forming a team. A cohesive but also complementary team is, is, is the biggest challenge. I, I think ideas, uh, they, there are tons of great ideas. Also, there are tons of, uh, you always pivot, you can improve your ideas. That's part is, it's good to start, but it's not everything. Uh, ideas at the beginning, especially, they're so fragile, they're so uh, limited that you need a, a good team to nourish them and, and to uh, evolve them. So having a good team is, 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 is one of the biggest challenge and finding and forming that team and, and also making sure you take care of them, you manage them, you always keep them engaged. I found this is the toughest so, uh, job in, in, in starting a company. If you have a great team, all the other challenge you, you can overcome, you can solve it, you can get with the support from your team, you can go through it. But if you don't, that's going to be the, the, the hardest thing to do. You have a lot of history in the display business, so I'm curious why you founded uh, ViewReal specifically. Uh, actually, it's, uh, I jumped between different technology through my career. I used to do a lot of uh, VLSI. I, I used to actually do graphic processor. In 2001, we worked on a processor that was very similar to the cell phone processor now. It was too early. It was another startup company. Uh, it, they call it network processor. It has exactly the same thing, the modem, the graphic processor. The, it was ARM-based things that we developed. Uh, and then uh, somehow accidentally, I ended up in, in doing display for my PhD. It was a pure accident. But then I fell in love with displays. <laughs> and I continue working on display since then. Uh, when uh, working in, in OLED, uh, one thing that I realized was that 
all display technology, they were limited to be just display. So they are just display and that's it. And, and the display is actually is the biggest real estate in any modern electronic device. So if you can do more than just display in that surface, it's, it's the key. And uh, so then we came up across this idea of printing millions of devices into a surface and making that surface an active surface. So this was the one of a, a lifetime opportunity. And I said, okay, that's it. We should, we should just uh, go and do this. And that's kind of when things started. Yeah, so uh, this was in one in a lifetime opportunity because it was it had uh, applications beyond just display. We could we could when you print uh, millions of devices into the into the surface, those devices could be anything. You could do sensors, LED actuators, so you can develop medical devices, HMIs, uh, security devices. So it's uh, it's a new manufacturing platform essentially, and that's kind of was so uh, compelling that I couldn't say no to it and we had to stop this. It's, it's exciting. Um, you know, I'm speaking to you from here in Silicon Valley, and uh, this area is well known for its uh, technology scene. Uh, but here we're also hearing good things about new technology companies in the Toronto area and uh, also just west of Toronto in the, in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Uh, so... Please tell us about the startup scene where you live, and including things like access to venture capital and the role of universities. Uh, I know you're an adjunct professor at Waterloo. Um, also, the up-and-coming startups in your area and generally the mentality for taking risk. Yeah. So uh, I moved to Waterloo in 2004 to do my PhD, and, and the plan was that after done, uh, we, we're going to live go somewhere else, but we're stuck here. Uh, one of the things that we loved about this area, as you said, it's, first of all, it's, it's a great place to live. It uh, has all the uh, uh, facility, all the amenity that you need for a nice life, but it's everywhere you want to go, 15, 20 minutes. The, the city was built uh, in a way that it can, even if it needs grow, it can handle traffic, so it's a really good area. So you never feel that you waste time in traffic. So that's a good part of it. And then the second part is, is uh, resources available. University is one of the key ones here. They, they have uh, great facilities for uh, different types, quantum uh, computing, nanotechnology, uh, larger electronics, great chemistry, computer science, math. So there are a lot of uh, uh, talents and, and resources, both from the labs and also uh, human resource talents available that you can collaborate or tap into it and develop your ideas. And then uh, beside that, it's actually uh, because of the, uh, some of the older kind of or, or more mature companies that developed here like uh, Blackberry uh, or Dalso, those type of companies, there are huge experienced talent also here that help you to scale up the company. At some point when, when you kind of passing a certain limit, you need those talent to help you to, to bring it to the next level. And, and there is a huge pool of that talent also available here. And that talent is growing because of all the new experience. So, so all those things makes this area a, a unique place to, uh, to grow and to start and grow a company. So that's been uh, the, the team here, especially in the in post BlackBerry era, if you call it. Uh, there are a lot of new startups and a lot of them getting to the scale up. We, we had actually a couple of uh, 
unicorns even this year in, in, in COVID situation, which is, which is great. Uh, and then this kind of makes it here a very vibrant, healthy environment. We have very wide range of companies all the way from uh, kind of AI to uh, network uh, applications to medicals, nanotechnology. So it's, it's a very wide range of uh, companies that are kind of forming here. Uh, well, it, it sounds like an exciting scene there um, for, yes, for yeah. tech incubation and, and uh, um, it's good that, I mean, definitely you guys are on the radar. Um, I, I want Reza to go back to micro LED displays uh, for a moment if we can. And I'd just like to get your opinion, uh, what you think are the primary application spaces for micro LED displays. Mm -hmm. So. Right now, if you look at the market, the way it's moving uh, is kind of replacing the tile-based uh, applications uh, from packaged LED. Uh, originally, they were going to mini LED and then the next step to micro LED. So that's trend that is happening right now. And, and people trying to also use the same approach to make maybe larger size, even TV, consumer TVs. Uh, but the application that I, I think is, is going to uh, fit micro LED better and is one of those things that uh, will face less competition is actually automotive. With the connected car and, and autonomy and, and, and all those things, display become a big part of uh, automotive. Uh, LCDs has some performance issues, especially in the very cold or, or very warm and then also under very low light conditions. Uh, all of it is perfect, but the challenge is reliability and lifetime for, for high temperature, high brightness environment. Micro LED doesn't have any of those issues. So it's a perfect fit for, for automotive applications. You get very good uh, reliability. Uh, uh, and also you're not dealing with high volume production at the beginning. So it's, it's, a, it's a perfect fit. Uh, the other advantage of micro LEDs for a connected car is you can make high resolution transparent displays. It's challenging with other technology. You have to sacrifice resolution for transparency. With micro LED, if you go sub 10 micrometer LEDs, you can make transparent displays with over 60% transparency and still have good resolution. So we just demoed a 60, uh, around 200 PPI display with 60% transparency, uh, which is very good for such a high PPI. So Really, 200 PPI and 60%? Yes, yeah. Those wow. LEDs were eight microns, so essentially it was not consuming any any space. So, so putting all those together, I, I feel automotive is is the killer app for for micro LED. And then the well, other it sounds it sounds like AR also. If you can if you can get that kind of transmission, that's that's super exciting. Um, yes, a, AR right, as well. That the the robust environmental requirements for automotive. Um, uh, that's great. I, I, I want to ask you kind of a crazy off-the-wall question because um, you've been around the display industry for a little while now, as, as have I, and I wonder what you think is the biggest challenge facing the display industry or, or, or maybe even maybe the biggest mistake that our industry has made. Mm -hmm. So for me, going from VLSI to display, I can say if, uh, kind of with higher uh, confidence that display is, is the toughest component in any electronics. Uh, and 
people, and you, as a user, you don't even see that. You need, you need to have everything that you, from engineering, from mechanical, all the way to optics, electronics, materials. It's crazy complicated piece of technology. And it's one of those things that, that you feel it should be also the same way valued. But unfortunately, the industry somehow valued that if you compare to other components used in the same tech, in the same, let's say in a smartphone, you look at CPUs or memories, and then display, display is way more complicated than any of those, but it's actually valued not, not at the same level. And I feel part of it is because of the industry unnecessary competition between, between a lot of industry and, and, and also lack of collaboration to enhance and create new features to, to keep the, the value higher and higher. So uh, if, if I can, it would uh, invite everybody to be more collaborative and work together to add more features, more value to keep that uh, uh, I mean display at higher value compared com and, and the right place for, for its value. Well, it, it's certainly true that displays are one of the most multidisciplinary uh, pieces of electronics uh, that the world is using today. And in many ways, it's driving the development of so many advanced products. Uh, you know, whether you're looking at watches or phones or some of the new and unique automotive applications, those wouldn't even be possible 10, 15 years ago uh, based on the technology at the time. So definitely the industry needs uh, the consumer electronics industry and other specialty industries need for the displays to continue to advance. So these are some very important points uh, that you're making. I, I guess I'd like to ask a final question, uh, which is about SID. Uh, I'd like your thoughts on how SID as, as an industry supporting organization uh, can help your young company and uh, can help startups in general. So. I have been uh, attending SID, uh, I think since 2005, that was my first SID, and since then I have been always attending. I think it's one of the uh, unique places that you get exposure to market trend, technology trends. So it's, it's actually a very unique place that uh, SID developed this, this pandemic. And, and also uh, the, uh, the other uh, things that it does is provide exposure to a lot of audience, for, even for small uh, display. So those two things is already uh, being done by, by SID Display Weeks, and, and I hope they continue more and more. Uh, the part that they may uh, improve upon is, is uh, adding kind of more, maybe more exposure to a smaller company. For example, the iZone is great, maybe kind of keeping it a little bit more exposure, more uh, uh, so when you look at the eyes, on, uh, when you go to the exhibition, it's a, it's a lonely place at the end with not much uh, flattery features or anything. So maybe a little bit kind of exposing that a bit more and then offering more visibility to that, that would be great. Well, it's, it's good advice and we'll take that back to SID leadership who I'm sure is, is watching this uh, video now. And Reza, I just want to thank you uh, so much for being part of this uh, Display Week show. Um, I look forward to us actually being able to see one another in person uh, at the next Display Week, hopefully in 2021. And, uh, you know, 
it's uh, been a pleasure to catch up with you again. Uh, thank you once again, and uh, stay safe uh, out there. And we look forward to seeing uh, great prototypes coming from ViewReel. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And yeah, it was a great pleasure talking to you. And thanks for the great idea. It's been, uh, I think the audience also enjoy it. And uh, looking forward for sure to see uh, you and others in, in 2021, hopefully. Thank you, Reza. Thank you. Thanks.